Shravya, I literally cannot come up with like a little small tidbit to start this episode. Honestly, me neither. I feel like this is a new era of Hotter. I'm getting that vibe too. It's like a post-Morgan and Riddle era. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. Alright guys, so welcome back to Hold On To Your Racket. We are coming back after our literal favorite episode ever. It was extremely successful. We are so thankful to all of you who tuned in to our interview with Morgan Riddle in episode 93. Who, you know, um, shared your love and support for Morgan, for us, for what we're doing, for the podcast, for the episode. We really, really appreciate it because... We were so excited to interview her and talk to her and then be able to share that with you all because as a lot of you guys noted on social media, our missions really truly match and like are filling a pretty necessary gap in not just the tennis media, I would say, but really just in sports media in general. So we are really excited to be riding that wave and, you know, hotter doesn't stop there right like we're not just gonna have that episode there and then leave that be as our we've peaked moment we're gonna continue bringing you that fun content that you got a glimpse of in that episode and are excited to you know keep doing what we're doing yeah definitely but we did i'll admit we gave the episode a little time to breathe you know let it really peak because even today we got like so many listens on it more than we've ever had on any other episode but still we gotta keep the content coming and we are prepared to do that and today we actually have a lot to talk about because so much has happened in the tennis world as of recently and we're excited to dish it out yes so let's start with talking about the wimbledon man so the all England club which is kind of like the governing body or of the of wimbledon um so basically, the All England Club slash Wimbledon um, said that they are banning Russian and Belarusian tennis players from competing at the 2022 Wimbledon Championships. And the All England Club said in their statement, quote, Given the profile of the championships in the United Kingdom and across the world, it is our responsibility to play our part in the widespread efforts of government, industry, sporting, and creative institutions to limit Russia's global influence to the strongest means possible. Um, they also highlighted in their statement, quote, the Russian regime and our broader concerns for public and player, including family safety, end quote. So let that marinate for a little bit. Um, lots of players had very different opinions on it, as did a lots of tennis fans and members of the media. So we're going to walk you through that and then sort of discuss what does this really mean and is this the right move? Yeah, and a lot of players that are actually on tour had differing opinions, but um, definitely let's talk about the Ukrainian player support for the ban, actually, first, because I think that those are the strongest opinions on tour when it comes to this matter right now, because they are at the brunt 
of the conflict, but um, their opinions are certainly um, outspoken. And as we said, as we like, we've definitely talked about this before. How Ukrainian tennis players, I think, particularly on the WTA side, but I think only on the WTA side, have we seen anything from the ATP, like that's notable? I don't think so. But um, we're talking like Svitolina, Marta Kostyuk. And, for example, Alina said, if players don't speak out against the Russian government, then it is the right thing to ban them. We just want them to speak up if they are with us and the rest of the world or the Russian government. And then Kostyuk had a similar statement in support of the ban as well. Yeah, she said, um, referring to Russian and Belarusian players, she said they, quote, pretend like nothing is going on. They pretend they are the victims of this situation, which I honestly cannot understand. I, do no- I don't know how much time needs to pass before they stop making excuses for themselves to do whatever, to do anything. Um, you know, part of her statement that drew some controversy was actually what she said in response to the concern that Russian players speaking out against the war um, would endanger their families in doing so because she said, quote, let's be honest, players who are at least in the top 50 have all the money to move their families. Come on, it's been two months. They have all the possibilities to move their families somewhere. It's just the sacrifice that people choose not to make. So definitely a lot to unpack there. I will say I don't think that we are in the position to judge how the Ukrainian players are feeling because obviously like this is really difficult for them. Do I agree with what Marta Kostyuk said? No, especially not that last part. But at the same time, like I would say I understand the anger and like the frustration and the fact that this is like their body of work, like sport yeah. like i was listening to the body Surf podcast and they put it so perfectly like you cannot separate sports and politics you just can't um like they're inherently intertwined so i totally understand and see the point that you know banning these players um is a you know can, to some people is an important means of um feeling like you're taking like the right stance and for these Ukrainian players like I can totally see why they would want to see that especially because this is their workplace and you know it is obviously sport and sport is tied to politics do I personally agree no we'll get into that I don't know just if you know how you stand but I can t- I 100% see most of their side yeah I just I think the first thing I need to understand is that like, especially for Svitolina and Kostyuk, any Ukrainian in general, like, if you're at the brunt of the conflict, of course, it can induce kind of, like, an all-or-nothing mentality. Totally. And I completely understand that. But then from my kind of, not necessarily moderate perspective, because I'm completely, like, in support of Ukraine, but when it comes to politics kind of blending into sports, I can't completely agree with banning like Russian players from it all because I understand in team sports I completely understand and I think it was such a wise compromise to ban Russian teams in yeah like when it comes to national teams like in the Billie Jean Billie Jean King Cup the Davis Cup etc but tennis is an individual sport and the she said like Kostyuk said that no Russian player has said anything. Like, she did speak in extremes. And we've seen Russian players 
speak out against the war. Like, a huge example of that is Rublev, and we'll get into that later, but it's just that when what she's saying is not completely factual, I can't, I can't support what she's saying. Maybe she meant, like, maybe she was looking for more explicit, um, like, more explicit support or, like, more explicit critique of the government, which I understand why she would want that. I think that's kind of what they really want, like, to, like, specifically say that you don't support Putin. But then again, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that is also putting the Russian athletes in a difficult situation because it is, after all, a dictatorship and you don't have that freedom but i think that the two of us coming as people who are living in the united states who are truthfully like you know very much you know can't relate to at all to what the ukrainian players or you know individuals are going through like i think that it's important to listen to svetlina serenko kostyuk um, Yastremska, etc.'s um, statements with empathy because, like, as you said, like, it's, like, when you're at the brunt of the conflict, like, I think you, like, I totally understand why they feel so heated, but at the same time, I do think it being an individual sport definitely complicates things. Um, another thing that Svetlina and Kostyuk spoke about was how they felt like they were being ignored and not supported by some Russian players on tour. So, for example, Svetlina said that only a few Russian players offered her words of support for her family in private. Now, make of that what you will. Like, again, this is, like, the same sort of thing. We're just sort of sharing what Svetlina and Kostyuk have spoke out about. It is, you know, like, there's only so much you can glean from that. Um, but I will say, though, like... As you said, I find it really impressive that these female Ukrainian players have really banded together in this effort to be so outspoken, and I really do admire that. I think one of the a former ATP player, Sergei Stakovsky, um, he enlisted in the Ukrainian army um, along with uh, Alexander Dolgopolov. Um, so those were two former Ukrainian ATP players. Um, but definitely it's the current cohort of Ukrainian WTA players who have been really admirable in their sort of unity, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And they even released, like, a joint statement. Um, I forgot exactly what it was about, but, um, like, the fact that they've kind of become their own little, like, group and actual, like, formal party is pretty cool to see, especially, like, since they're kind of there for each other like they're the only ones that understand each other's situations being like ukrainian tennis players in the professional world which is interesting but um yeah we did have some other opinions from you know russian or belarusian players and this included from uh rublev and kasakina but in addition to that we had other players also speaking out about the ban and it's just interesting to see so many different opinions about it yeah so Azarenka said quote I don't see Wimbledon's reasoning I've made my stance very clear on the issue I will never ever support war I will never support violence I will never find any justifications for that Azarenka also um people noticed that she went totally off social media a couple weeks ago and she did have those very emotional matches at indian wells and miami and indian wells she started crying on court in miami 
she retired midway through her match for no perceived injury um and then you know also went totally off all social media so it definitely maybe maybe it's something connected i don't know but it's obviously just a tough situation overall um and then daria kazakina actually i i think that you know her response was very measured and i appreciated it she said we players are disappointed that we're not allowed to be part of one of the biggest tournaments in the world but there are much more important bigger things happening in the world right now human lives are much more important yeah and it's definitely like it's nice to see that she kind of understood her place in the situation and kind of stepped back instead of fighting it because honestly it's like as a russian or belarusian player right now it's so awkward to fight against the ban as a player from those countries because then we have players like the ukrainian players we just spoke about that are actually you know from ukraine like they're feeling the direct effects of it and i'm not saying that the russian and belarusian players don't feel other effects but still like you can't you just can't compare and it's just it's it's just a difficult situation when politics kind of mesh into sports but this is kind of what we're getting out of it and um rublev actually also spoke out against it basically saying about the ban that he called it an act of complete discrimination and if there is a statement that we need to sign and on top of that to give all the prize money to humanitarian help to the families who are suffering to the kids who suffer i think that move at least will do something at least a bit and it will show that the england government english government is standing for the peace and they really want to help so i think it's interesting that he kind of offered an alternate solution and the fact that he's willing to do this because he has spoken out against the war and i see how this would make sense because if it's so obvious that these players are playing for the ukrainian effort i don't see a reason why they shouldn't be able to play yeah andy murray said something really similar he also criticized the ban and i mean i'm highlighting that because he is you know, the most legendary British tennis player, and this is, after all, Wimbledon's decision, um, saying that it would be, basically, he said it would be much more effective to actually, you know, dedicate some humanitarian effort on behalf of Wimbledon towards the cause rather than make it this sort of political showmanship type of thing, which is what I feel like it is. I don't know if it's necessarily helping, but um, again, I do want to underscore the fact that, like, I am very much cognizant of how and like why or at least i'm trying to be um that these ukrainian players obviously would may feel uncomfortable seeing russian and and, um belarusian players taking the court when they know what's going on in the larger um scheme of things so it's hard to to differentiate um but i i do think that andy murray and rublev make a good point however rublev also said um, as part of this sort of response, he said, we are not here to talk about politics because I have no idea anything about this. At the end of the day, I'm Russian and I was born in Russia and I've lived all my life in Russia. And I just want to show that we are good people. You know, that last part, obviously, I understand. I just feel I personally have a huge issue when people like celebrities or, um, you know, athletes like say things like I don't follow politics like I said a politics like I want to focus on my sport and I don't really care about that like that really bothers me because to me that is 
one of the most tone-deaf things you could say. Like, I, I just mean to contrast, like, just by means of comparison, Ika Swiatek, who has admitted that, like, I don't really follow politics that much, but now I understand, like, with this issue, that this is something that I need to be reading and learning more about. So, and she kind of, you can see that she's taking those those steps. That's just one thing that I didn't like about his statement, because overall, in general, I just really find it to be incredibly tone deaf when people in these positions of privilege just say that I don't want to talk about politics. Like, this is my, like, this is what I'm going to say, but, like, I don't want to talk about politics anymore because like I don't follow it and I'm here to focus on my career like no like to some people politics is personal yeah and also I just the fact that he had that little blurb at the end when he had such a good idea before it it's kind of like you just invalidated your own opinion because you said you're not educated on the subject (laughs) I know I was like yeah but um but yeah if you if we just talk about the alternate solution it's yeah, it's a great idea and it makes it makes a lot of sense to me honestly but um and honestly i think that like players like Kazakina Medvedev i think they would be in support of that especially if it means because at a certain point tennis isn't even about the prize money it's about you know the honor of getting to play and they're kind of that's being taken away from them right now and of course it's a complicated situation but um there's a lot that goes into it i mean Azan karatsev was wearing a t-shirt that said something like wimbledon i don't know but it had like a british flag on it and it was definitely like in direct response to the wimbledon ban and he was wearing it in madrid actually like a couple of days ago maybe last week and that was kind of his own way of speaking out against it i guess I didn't even know about that, but that's interesting. Um, I mean, just to sum it up, as I said, Andy Murray spoke out about this decision. Djokovic and Nadal also criticized the decision. Um, the ATP and the WTA tours both issued statements criticizing the decision, which is interesting because the All England Club, after that, did say that they are, they may, like, as of now, this rule is in place, but depending on further discussion with the tours, things may change. Um, apparently, like the other option on the table was to allow these players to play only if they like publicly and specifically mm-hmm. decried Putin. But this was kind of like their second option. Um, so, I mean, as we've been saying, it's a difficult situation. I think it is important to um, understand and empathize with or sympathize with the perspectives of the Ukrainian players because I do think that there is a lot of merit to what they're saying but at the same time you kind of have to consider like what is actually effective and what is political showmanship yeah yeah exactly and I I saw something like actually horrible that was like the only reason Wimbledon is banning Russian players is because they don't want <laughs> they don't want Kate to hand oh the to the trophy. Yeah, that was apparently like, was like I don't even know if that's true. Like that was just something that was floating around, like some article. No, it's some definitely tweet. just like a. It's kind of silly, but yeah. <laughs> but in reality, like that's a major point. Like political showmanship. Like is it just like as a play? But either way, it's affecting real people, and we've seen that by their reactions. 
But, um, yeah, that was a lot to discuss, and we do have more to discuss, actually, because something very interesting and kind of heartbreaking happened in the tennis world a long time ago, actually. Really heartbreaking. Yeah, but we just found out about it, and that was um, the story that Pam Shriver released last week. So, uh, no, last week? Eh, kind of last week. Yeah. So, on April 20th, uh, Pam released an exclusive and self-written piece on The Telegraph, and it was about a long and damaging relationship she had with her coach when her career was just taking off. And she went into detail about how she felt at the time, how she feels about it now, and how it speaks to just the general situation of what the stigma is for, like, coach-student relationships, especially when it comes to male-coach-female-student relationships. Yeah, so a little bit about Pam Shriver's career. Um, She had a lot of success pretty much right out of the gate, um, reaching the 1978 U.S. Open final at just 16 years old. She won a total of 21 WTA singles titles and won 21 doubles Grand Slam titles between 1981 and 1991. So, I mean, Pam is a household name when it comes to tennis. She's currently a commentator as well. Um, So this story was definitely very high profile, but really difficult to read. And this is also coming off the tails of some other stories we've recently seen and have actually really talked about and really tried to um, make visible on our social media too about coach-student relationships within the USTA with female students, male coaches, and yes, exactly, within the USTA. Um, I think we've all, this is probably the third one we've talked about. Yeah, and yeah, it's definitely... Like, the details of her story were so, like, so heartbreaking. Both Shravi and I, we read it kind of around the same time, the same day. But just, yeah, it was a lot. And especially, you know, reading it directly from her perspective, it was so much more. Like, we've seen the other articles, and, of course, they were kind of an interview style. So it was different. And, of course, we got we got the basis of the story, but just from her like what exactly her thoughts were pertaining to the situation it was just it was so much to read so essentially uh here's the basics of the story her coach's name was Don Candy he was Australian and he met Pam when she was just nine years old and he was her coach when she began her pro career at 15 years old and you know they traveled together as they would being coach and student and as her coach and chaperone, she began to develop strong feelings for him, apparently, and told him about them at the age of 17, which was uh, a big, you know, kind of catalyst for their romantic relationship. And this was and also right as she was, like, doing really well, starting to do really well in her career, too, right? Like, you, we mentioned she got to the US final at 16, and this is at 17. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it started for her, like, mentally kind of right when she was beginning her pro career. So, basically, like, it's the same, you know, it's the same timeline, her career and the relationship, because the relationship lasted five years, and she kept it a secret from everyone, including her family and friends. And, mind you, he was 33 years older, which is just ridiculous. And, yeah gross 
Yeah, she said that although he never abused her sexually, um, she did later kind of realize that there was definitely emotional abuse there. Um, you know, she said, I still have conflicted feelings about Don. Yes, he and I became involved in a long and inappropriate affair. Yes, he was cheating on his wife, but there was a lot about him that was honest and authentic, and I loved him. Even so, he was the grown-up here. He should have been the trustworthy adult. In a different world, he would have found a way to keep things professional. Only after therapy did I start to feel a little less responsible. Now, at last, I've come to realize that what happened is on him. Um, she did tell her father about the relationship, but never told her mother, who passed away last year. Um, but I think there's so much to unpack in this quote, like the fact that she felt that responsibility. And first of all, how brave it is for her to come out. Like, this is obviously a very... I guess icky situation to be in and very easy for people to cast an eye and be like WTF Pam that's so weird like why did you do that like that's like on you but I think both of us being like young female players like again nowhere near as you know elite or you know close to professional as Pam Shriver was but just like being in that environment where we are literally surrounded by male coaches, Josephina and I only have one female coach in our entire um, program, and that's compared to maybe like five or six other guy coaches. Um, like there is a certain level of intimidation and um, submissiveness that you feel that like you have to sort of um, tend to their sort of commands or there or like there's a, there is a power dynamic there that you can't really um escape it's not like it, it it is like like when she said this I could understand yeah that's what I'm saying like even though I've never been like I can't even compare it to what she's been through but I I kind of I understood the mentality I completely yeah. understood where she was coming from and I I honestly found it so scary that I could relate to her in this situation. Yes. That's what yeah. was so heartbreaking that, like, we are, like, every girl that plays tennis at any level is basically in the same situation where this is possible. It shouldn't yeah. be possible. Yeah, like, I have never had anything this serious happen to me. But, yeah, I have been in situations where, like, there has been a male coach like in my class and like a weird relationship has developed and I feel weird and I feel responsible and guilty for that even happening but when the other person is the adult the responsibility is on them and she said that here like he quote he should have been the trustworthy adult and I think that is like something that like in those whatever like again like this whatever like I've experienced was nowhere near close to this but I think it's a parallel that you can draw like you feel that like you have like that you're responsible and that it's your fault because you kind of went along with it but the reason you went along with it was because of that power dynamic was yeah. because that other person is in the authority position he's the guy he's older he's your coach he's you know teaching you all these things he's making you a better player so that makes you feel like you have to pay deference to them. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's just such a difficult dynamic to deal with. And later we'll talk about how the WTA is kind of working to combat this whole, like, just 
systematic, you know, like, pushing people into this kind of weird, like, crossing boundaries kind of situations. But uh, either way, yeah, there's still more to say about this. I mean, I would just say that the fact that, you know, these inappropriate coach-female-student relations is becoming a trend and the fact that we were able to relate to that, like, you know, is really scary, as you said. Like, I think you, you, you had said just a couple of minutes ago that the fact that you were able to understand what she was saying, like, from firsthand, you know, whatever, like, um, experiences, like, to some degree, like, that's terrifying. And that kind of really shows you that there is a huge issue um, regarding this. And, I mean, Pam Shriver even said in her interview, we weren't the only boundary-crossing relationship on the tour at the time. At that point, safeguarding measures for young female athletes were non-existent. I really didn't know who to turn to. Um, Shriver also spoke of her hopes of for young female athletes to learn from her own experiences or even coaches to do that because that boundary, like, you cannot cross it. Like, it gets crossed in an instant. Like, sometimes you don't even realize, but once you get into that gray area, it becomes so dangerous and the responsibility is on the adult the responsibility is on the coach yeah always the boundary is there and it's there for a reason not to be crossed and people need to learn that especially the adult in the situation and only the adult in the situation actually but uh the wta actually responded to pam's article later that week in I don't know if it was like a statement or a message, but I saw it somewhere. And they said that they are dedicated to ensuring a safe environment across their tour. And safeguarding requires vigilance. And we are continuing to invest in education, training, and resources to improve our efforts. And I really, I really, really like what they said about the education and training. Because it proves that this is an actual effort. Because that is the heart of the issue. The fact that you know, coaches weren't taught where this boundary is crossed because it's natural to be friendly with a coach. You need to have some sort of trust between the coach and the player, but there's a line that cannot be crossed, and that's the one that we're talking about here. And that's when it becomes a problem because so many, like, students, they they don't know about this line. You know, they're, like, even though we think we're mature, like to a certain point we we can't be the ones taking the blame for this and it's their job as the coach as the one with the training as the one that is the professional to know where that line is it's their job to regulate that and that's that's it yeah and again speaking from experience like what you think is innocent and like fun and just like a coach-student relationship like the friendliness of it once you know they take it to the next like even just a slight next level you don't realize that now you've gotten into some really bad territory until you're there for a little bit like it still feels like that same innocent like awesome friendly coaching relationship but like once you're there like you realize how difficult it is to get out of that because you are interacting with these coaches so much and because they're such an important part of a sport that you take seriously like it's it's almost like a trap and you know getting out of that is very difficult and 
I like what the WTA said about what they said about safeguarding training, but I would also say that this isn't just an issue at the WTA tour level. Like, this isn't just an issue at the player development level. This is an issue sort of like trickling down to all levels of tennis um, and sport. So I would hope that, you know, the USTA as well as other tennis agencies around the world kind of realize that this is something that they need to be focusing on in not just their like high performance level classes um, or not even high performance, like player development um, classes because I have time and time again seen things like this happen and you know, tennis centers not take any action and not really do anything about it. So I would really hope that this, you know, tries to um, ameliorate some of that. But honestly, a huge thank you to Pam Schreiber for speaking up about this. This is like really difficult to talk about. She talked about the mental health consequences it had on her. She's going to therapy now. Um, so I really hope that that helps because this is something that has lasting impact. Yeah, and something she said, like, kind of towards the end of her article was... No, actually, it wasn't in the article. It was in the interview she did with ESPN following. But she said that the reason she did this is because her kids are getting to the same age where she began that relationship. So she wanted the story to kind of be out for not only her children, but just any young student athlete or just athlete in general that's, that's... either going through this or if there's any way to prevent them from going through what she did and it's just it's so nice to see players kind of coming out with their stories so that um they can find support in the community but at the same time it's heartbreaking to hear so many of them having to do that because they've been through the experience So we have just a couple more headlines we want to go through super quickly, kind of in the same vein of mental health. Um, We kind of want to talk about Naomi Osaka's new uh, role in this WTA and Modern Health Partnership. We talked about this partnership um, a few episodes ago where the WTA announced Modern Health as their official mental health partner, which is an all-female founded company. Um, But super important work that they're doing to destigmatize mental health and provide resources in the workplace but basically Naomi also discussed that she's been working with them as well um in a recent Instagram post that she did was it an Instagram post I think it was was an Instagram post she might have shared it on Twitter as well that's usually what they do but um yeah her Instagram caption it just talked about how you know last year was a huge year for her and discovering what mental health is and what it means to her and that she um found a lot of support 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 in the on the tour just in general in her life to help her on her journey and she wants to give back by working with modern health as well she said i'm really excited and honored to be working with at modern health co to raise awareness and destigmatize the mental health space and she joined the team in that post, she announced that she was joining the team as a chief community health advocate. So that means she'll be speaking out for them and um, participating in various projects. One we'll get to in a second. But she's has been working with them as an investor and board observer since earlier this year, even late last year. So it's cool that she's kind of been behind all this and doing this work. And I feel like, I mean, this is kind of a stretch, but she might have even been a big part in how the WTA got into this deal. 
honestly, because she's working with them first. It's that's what it looks like at least. But um yeah, she's she's already done something cool with them. Two things, two huge things. She recorded, she narrated a meditation session for them mm-hmm. and it's posted on their site. So go listen to it. I know I will definitely do that because I have so many things coming up this week <laughs> and I need I need a little, you know, Naomi Osaka in my head. Um and also uh, if you don't know about her uh, skincare company, Keenlo, she's made um, men- Modern Health, like their resources, available and accessible to her entire workforce, which is so neat. And I think it's so cool that she's kind of working from the ground level. And honestly, I love that she did this because I hate seeing influencers that are like, oh my God, I'm working with this company to work for this cause. And then I see nobody affected by it (laughs) like on the ground level it's just a celebrity posing for pretty pictures but no things are happening because of naomi and she is working to destigmatize mental health and i cannot say how thankful i am for that for sure now last but not least some really bittersweet news one of our i would say affectionate dilf uh, faves is how we like to how I'm gonna phrase it I think that's a pretty accurate way to phrase it Kevin Anderson is retiring I mean the University of Illinois grad reached a career high of number five in the world two-time Grand Slam finalist we definitely loved watching his stretch of those Grand Slam finals took out Djokovic I think um one or two times won the Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award we talked about his work to sort of reduce plastic waste on the tour um way back when in one of our episodes we discussed that but he's really done a lot for the sport and he will be retiring he's 35 years old um and kind of at the end of his statement this really actually made me almost cry it was so cute he said as a kid my dad used to tell me that success isn't defined by results but by the effort and sacrifice you make along the way in becoming the best you can be i gave it my best and i think that is some advice that everyone can take something from Tennis talk time. Wow, that was aggressive, but it's true. We are getting through this, guys. Uh, So let's start off with the small tournaments that happened as of recent. We have Stuttgart, the WTA 500, where Iga Swiatek continued her insane, like completely insane winning streak. She defeated Irina Sabalenka, who was the defending finalist, 6-2, Iga Swiatek in finals is just another level of crazy. And this is Iga's fourth straight title. She is on a 23-match win streak. And unfortunately, she pulled out of Madrid to rest. But as she should. I mean, girl needs to take a break because, wow. But um, it's nice to see Irina, you know, finally finding her groove this season. She has a lot to defend in Madrid. But unfortunately, she lost to Anisimova. So let's see what that says about her ranking. Yeah. All right. We had Istanbul WTA 250 where Anastasia Potapova defeated Veronica Kudermatova 6-3-6-1 for her first title. And then in Estoril, we had an ATP 250 where Sebastian Baez defeated Francis Tiafo 6-3-6-2 to take his first ATP title as well. 
Then, to cap that off, in Munich, another ATP 250, Holger Rune defeated Botik van der Zanschlip 3-4 in the final. It was a walkover, but he also got his first title. But the highlight of this tournament was Rune defeating Zverev in the second round in straight sets at Zverev's home tournament. So, that is too funny. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it's always refreshing to see, like, a dumpster fire Zverev match. Um, but anyways, let's talk about Madrid, you know, the big tournament. Um, I'm thinking about tapas, not gonna lie, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> uh, so, first up, we have the WTA, and WTA tournament started somewhere last week. They just completed... Which is messed up, by the way. Yeah, I don't... That they, like, want to get the WTA tournament over with so that they can have the ATP kind of be the last hurrah. Is that the mentality? I don't know. I maybe yeah, I, know. I was talking to one of my friends about it. He was like, maybe it's just because they don't have enough courts, which I was like, okay, fine. Okay, but, but it just still feels two weird. It's going on at the same time right now. It just so, feels like, odd. Yeah, I didn't like it when I checked the like draws and they were all mismatched, and I was like, what is going on? But anyways, the WTA just completed their round of sixteen, so they have their quarterfinals coming up, and in the top half of the draw. I am feeling like the winner of Sarah Sarubas Tormo and um, Jessica Pagula. They are looking like the finalists, and because they're both playing some strong tennis. And I mean, SST is at her home tournament, so like that might say something about her upcoming tennis situation. But the other matches: Teichman versus Kalinina, and Kalinina just had a very solid win against. Raducanu, the ninth seed in the round of 16. And Kalinina actually also defeated Garbini Muguruza, the seventh seed, in the second round, which was disappointing to see, of course, because, you know, we love some good Mugu. But, um, yeah, it that's the way it is. Yes. Um, I mean, shout out to Sarah Sarubas Torma, though, because she's defeated Osaka, Pavlyuchenkova, and Kazakina to get mm-hmm. here. And But at the same time, Jessica Pugula, there was some stat that she's one of the, I think, only WTA players to have made at least the quarterfinal stage at each 1,000, something like that. But yeah, she's just been like very, year, very yeah. consistent at the 1,000 level, and I think that is well-deserved. Um, did you talk about Bianca yet? No, no, I right? did not. So Bianca Andreescu, I mean, big shout out to her as well because she made it to the round of sixteen before falling to Pagula, and she also scored her first top ten win since the two thousand nineteen U.S. Open final by defeating Danielle Collins in the second round. So it's nice to see Bianca finding some groove again. I do love to, you know, I mean, she's also talked about really focusing on her mental health, and, um, you know making that a priority and interestingly enough she volunteered with a at a domestic violence shelter during her time off like um to support women and she has said um that she that experience really inspired her to kind of further down the road for her to help out with that cause as well yeah i remember just about bianca but i remember like last week Maybe the week before, I don't remember when. But um, so Shravi and I just recently started working as tennis coaches, and we have these little like key ring holders that hold our keys, and they're like the stretchy bands, and we put them around our elbows, and we're like, oh my god, look, we're Bianca Andrescu, because she wears the same like you know you know what I'm talking about, like the coils thing. Yeah, the plastic yeah. coiled hair tie elastics. Yeah. We were wearing it, and we we're like, oh my god, we're like two Biancas right now. <laughs> 
but I just thought that was funny. <laughs> we also have the bottom half of the draw here with Simona Halep kind of leading the pack. She's looking really solid, though. She is playing against Ons next, which is exciting, but I think it is pretty clear who Josephina and I would be rooting for in that situation. But I'm honestly really impressed by Halep. She's been really producing a consistent high level throughout this year. Um, started the year off with a bang with that title and then is now doing pretty decently in the clay season. Um, also with that new coaching partnership. So this seems like a good boost of momentum for her. She also hasn't dropped a set yet in this tournament. So I definitely would keep an eye on her because the WTA even published this statistic that Madrid is only behind Australia, the Australian Open and the French Open as the tournament where Simona Halep has won the most matches. So this is definitely a place that she really loves, um, and I would definitely consider her a top contender here. Yeah, I would absolutely as well. And the other match in this quarter is Alexandrova versus Anisimova, and Anisimova just concluded a very interesting match against uh, Vika Azarenka, where she won on her sixth match point, but still had a very solid win at 6-1, 6-4, but um, it was kind of funny slash sad because she kind of cried out of relief after she won on the sixth match point. Because, yes, it is a lot to think you're about to win a match five times and then just not being able to close it out. Um, but then, on the other hand, we have Alexandrova, who kind of snuck in here, honestly. But she started out strong with a round one win versus Ostapenko. Um, but now let's talk about Madrid ATP tournament. So... This tournament just started only a couple of days ago, and Rafa is playing, which I'm so happy about. I felt so awkward when Carlos Alcaraz jumped into Rafa's pool in Barcelona. I hated that. I did not like it. <laughs> so in the top half, we have Djokovic and Nadal. So Novak um, defeated Gael Malfis earlier today. And people were talking about, oh my god, that's like a certainty in the world because Novak has an 18-0 to record against Gael, which is so sad. But alas, the top seeds in this quarter are Novak, Nadal, Rude, Alcaraz, Nori. Wow, just wow. And then honestly, for players to watch out for, look out for Fokina because not only is this his home tournament, he's been doing well recently. And I feel like he's definitely one of those kids that are like on his way up. You know, he was kind of looking for that one big breakthrough and he found it. And I think he's only going to do better from here on out. Yeah. Um. I mean, we also have some spicy matchups between Andy Murray and Novak Djokovic, both of whom had great wins today coming up. Also, a potential Nadal Alcaraz quarterfinal, and then a Djokovic versus Nadal or Alcaraz semi. I mean, I don't think we should have too many expectations for Rafa right now because he is just coming off of that stress factor. But, um, regardless, it's definitely some exciting stuff there. Um, and then in terms of the bottom half, oh, Josephine is telling me that maybe Andy could sneak a win off <laughs> on Thursday. But uh, in the bottom half of the draw, our top seeds are Zverev, who's the defending champion, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Felix, Sinner, and Schwartzman. Um, Rublev, I mean, he's just coming off the Serbia Open title, defeating Djokovic in the final. So definitely we have some expectations there. And he has a decent draw until possibly meeting Tsitsipas in the quarters. And Tsitsipas, I mean, we know that he's always dangerous on clay. 
Monte Carlo title, Barcelona quarters, losing to Alcaraz. I'm also curious to see how Felix does. He's been having a very strange season this year. Like, nothing really, like, I mean, he had, he got his first title. But, but since then, then like, what? <laughs> I just really haven't been seeing that much of him. Except on um, Instagram. That is true, and we appreciate that for sure. <laughs> um, but the only other thing I would say is keep an eye on Yannick. He saved match points in his first-round match versus Tommy Paul, and is doing really well. And then also Alex Dimonor, like, he used to suck on clay, and, like, now he's doing decent. He reached the Barcelona semis and had match points against Alcaraz until losing that semifinal. It's because he shaved his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have another affectionately called Dilf, Griever Dimitrov. What? No, he's He's balding, dumb. but he's balding. Oh, wow. Came for his head. Literally. But, like, but, but it adds to his character. <laughs> it does. You're right. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as the action in Madrid wraps up and Rome approaches. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.